Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. When we become overwhelmed, we tend to become irritable and withdraw. What does the feeding of the 5,000 have to teach us about our behavior when we're overwhelmed? You're listening to Bring Them Here to Me by Reverend Peter Yonker. Our scripture reading this evening is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, and I'll be reading verses 13 through 21. Just a little bit of context. Um, Jesus has just heard, and the disciples have just heard, that King Herod has had John the Baptist beheaded. So they've just been traumatized by the loss of their friend and by this notice of this violent act. And so they're planning a little getaway. And here's how that goes. When Jesus heard what had happened, that John the Baptist had been killed, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. He's looking to be alone. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and they said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, she said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and his disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Do you get the sense, as uh, as I read that passage, or maybe as you've read that passage before, do you get the sense that the disciples were irritated with the crowds and maybe even irritated with Jesus. When they got into the boat with Jesus to go to the other side of the lake, they were expecting to get some time off. They had really been putting in a lot of overtime with Jesus. Every single day, crowds coming to Jesus, surrounding him, all of them looking for healing, all of them looking for attention. Jesus would do that from sunrise to sunset every single day, and the disciples would be in the middle of that, managing things and making singer, everything was all right. They were working hard. So that was exhausting in and of itself. But recently, added to that, there were pressure from the authorities. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were making it really clear that they did not like Jesus. They called him a son of Satan recently, and they were putting pressure on him. So pressure from the church leaders, but also pressure from the civic leaders. King Herod had had John the Baptist arrested, and John had been in prison a long time, but now all of a sudden, Herod had taken it to another level and had had John beheaded, and that had sent a chill as you can imagine, through all the disciples. So when Jesus finally said, you know what, guys, 
let's go into the boat, let's go to the other side of the lake, and let's find a solitary place. When the, Jesus said that, the disciples were ecstatic. Oh, this is going to be great. A solitary place. Just us and Jesus. You know, we'll hang out during the day. It won't be busy. At night, we'll have a campfire. Maybe we'll talk a little bit. It'll, we'll learn from Jesus. It'll be just us and him talking like we used to. It's going to be wonderful. But of course, when they got in their boat and got close to the deserted place and they looked, it turned out not to be deserted at all. There were hundreds of people, thousands of people, a crowd waiting for them again. And you can imagine that as the disciples saw that, they were saying to each other, just keep going, Jesus, just keep going. Don't stop, don't stop, just keep going. But Jesus, being Jesus, had compassion on the crowd and he stops and he gets out of the boat And he spends another day, a day that was supposed to be a vacation day, healing all these people all the way till late at night. And finally, at night, one of the disciples, and you got to believe it was Peter, even though the text doesn't say it, but it would be Peter who would do something like this, finally walks up to Jesus and sort of politely says, "Uh, excuse me, master, this is a really deserted place. And I don't know if you noticed, there are a lot of people here today. Um, you know, maybe you should send them away. There's no food here. Have them go and get some food at the villages nearby. And all the other disciples are behind Peter and they're nodding their head vigorously. Yes, good idea. And then Jesus says, they don't need to leave. You give them something to eat. And at that point, the disciples' frustration boils over. Said, what, we give them something to eat? Really, Lord? All we have here is five loaves and two fish. You expect us to feed all these people with these two loaves? How are we supposed to do this, Lord? This is impossible. Do you sympathize with these disciples? Do you see why the disciples might have been a little bit irritated with that situation? I do. I think we all do. What the disciples encounter here is what all we human beings encounter at different parts of our life. We got 5,000 things to do in one day and just 24 hours to do them. We got 5,000 things to do in the day and all we got is five loaves and two small fish. We get up on a Monday morning and our, our calendar is full, our to-do list is jammed, and by 10 o'clock we've had five more phone calls and there's two more crises, and we say, I'm, I'm, I can't do it anymore. I've got to walk away. Just get me out of this. I need to get a vacation. This sort of thing happens to us, and our human instinct is to withdraw. When we feel overwhelmed like the disciples feel in this passage, our human instinct is to get irritable and then to withdraw, to pull back and to say, I need a little me time. But in this passage, Jesus wants to challenge that instinctive response. Jesus wants to challenge our instinct towards irritability and pulling back when we're under pressure. And he wants to do that by teaching us something about the importance of worship. Jesus, in this passage, is teaching us something about the importance of worship. Now, you might say, worship, really? I don't see any worship at all in this passage. They're in a deserted place. There's no synagogue. There's no liturgy. It's not a sermon. How is there worship in this passage? 
Well, certainly on one level, this is just a feeding miracle. But remember, Jesus' miracles are always more than just helps. They're also lessons. So when Jesus does a miracle, it's never just about healing the person in front of him, or in this case, feeding the person in front of him. It's also about teaching us something and teaching his disciples something. And in this case, I think he wants to teach his disciples and teach us something about the importance of regular worship. That's particularly clear in the way Jesus handles the food that the disciples give him. There's a four-fold pattern of what Jesus does with the loaves and the fish. He takes it. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it. And he gives it to them. Takes, gives thanks, blesses. Takes, blesses, breaks, and gives. Is that a familiar pattern? Does that sound familiar to anyone? That's the pattern of the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11, the institution of the Lord's Supper, as Paul describes it, on the night when he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, and when he, he took it, when he'd given thanks for it, blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them and said, this is my body given for you. Take, bless, break, give. That language... In that language, the Holy Spirit is meant for us, means for us to think of communion. If you read the communion accounts in the Synoptic Gospels, that fourfold pattern is in every single one of them. That same fourfold pattern appears in Luke 24 in the Emmaus Road story, which is also clearly meant to have resonances when Jesus breaks the bread for them and their eyes are opened, meant to be a Lord's Supper resonance in that passage. Feeding of the 4,000 also has that fourfold pattern. Anytime you hear that, it's a Lord's Supper illusion. It's a Lord's Supper reference. So tonight, following Eugene Peterson and the Anglican scholar Gregory Dix, liturgical scholar, I want to uh, to look at how what Jesus does with the food that the disciples give him is also what he does with us when we come to him here in worship. What Jesus does with the food the disciples give him is also what he does with us when we come to this place to worship him. First, Jesus takes what we have. Jesus tells the disciples to bring the five loaves and the two fish to him, and he takes them. And so we come to this place and we give Jesus whatever we have when we come to worship. And, and sometimes it's not very much. Five loaves and two small fish, we're, we're, we're a little embarrassed. We're embarrassed that that's all we've managed to produce this week. And we're reluctant to give it over because when you don't have very much, you don't want to give it. You want to hold on to it. But Jesus calls us to give it. And so we come to this place and we give it. And liturgically, that happens in a number of ways in a regular worship service. It happens just because you show up. When you walk through the store and sit down, you are giving yourself to God. It also happens in our songs. Take my life and let it be. All sorts of hymns, give yourself to God. It happens in our prayers and it happens in the offering of our stuff. We give ourselves to God and he receives it, he takes it. But he doesn't just take it, he blesses it. 
And this has to do with the spirit in which he receives it. So we bring our little, little offering, our, our five loaves and our two small fish. And, and when Jesus sees it, when he sees us give the offering of ourselves, he doesn't say, well, that's all you got? This is your week? That's what you could come up with? Come on. No. He receives it with joy and he blesses it. And in the liturgy, you see that in the greeting. We walk into church every day. We give him the offering of ourselves. After the first hymn is done, what is the first thing that happens at every single service? The minister raises his or her hands and says, grace, mercy, and peace to you. Bless you. Bless you people. I'm so glad to see you. You are my covenant children. I'm so glad to see you in this house. It's a reminder that the glory of who we are does not come from us. It comes from the God who blesses us. So, so we give ourselves to God and he blesses us. And then he breaks us. This is the hard part. Because we don't want to be broken. And in society, the message we get is that you succeed when you're not broken. You succeed when you're literally put together. Put together, strong people are the ones who succeed in this world. Broken people are the ones who end up on the sidelines. So we don't want to be broken, but we give ourselves to him and he breaks us. He does that in our prayer of confession, where we say, Lord, I've sinned again another week and I've failed. And he does that in our pastoral prayer. And we say, Lord, my needs are overwhelming. I cannot deal with them all. I need your help. We give ourselves to God. He takes us and he breaks us. A broken spirit and a contrite heart the Lord will not despise. He breaks us like a gardener in the spring, goes into the soil of her garden and breaks it up so that new seed can be planted. Jesus takes blesses, breaks, and then he gives back. And when Jesus gives back, it's not just giving us back what we, he received in the first place. It is multiplied because he has planted the seed of his word in it and the seed of his spirit in that soil that he's broken up. The disciples give the five loaves and two fish to Jesus they didn't think it was enough to feed the 13 of them. Jesus multiplies that so it feeds 5,000 and there's 12 baskets left over. That's what happens to us every week in worship. We stagger into this place. We give the small offering of ourselves. We know it's not much. We're so tired by all the things we have to do. And then in this place, being broken by God, we open ourselves up, we receive his word, we receive his Holy Spirit, and we go back out into the world and somehow we're able to be out in the world for another week and we can bless other people and keep going and be a source of God's multiplication. It's worship. Take, bless, break, multiply and give back. It happens week after week. And that rhythm is so important to the sustenance of our lives. As we get near to the end of this pandemic, one thing that I've noticed, maybe you've noticed too, even though we kind of know we're coming to the end, right? We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. People are hitting a wall, especially single people. They're just so tired. 
I'm so glad that either through that camera or physically, we are able to come here week after week and have Jesus take our exhausted lives and multiply them for his glory. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, take our lives. We offer them again to you. Bless them in the grace that only you can give and we know we don't deserve. Break them in all the places where they need breaking, where they need tearing up, and put your spirit in us so that we may be multiplied, so that we may be people who serve you in this world with joy and strength and hope and not discouragement. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.